morning. Welcome to worship. We're glad you're here with us. Hope you've had a good weekend so far. If you would grab your bulletins, a few announcements as we get started. Uh, we have a tear-off portion in the back. If you're a guest, please fill out this blue side, put it in the offering plate when it comes by, and we'd love to follow up with you about how you can get involved at Mechanicsville Baptist. On the other side at the bottom is a place for prayer requests. Continue to put your prayer requests, and uh, we pray in our staff time each week for each request. They can be anonymous. You do not have to put your name on those. On the back are opportunities for the week. Wanted to make a few mentions. People were handing me notes left and right, so I've got to make sure to be faithful to read these notes. Uh, one, a few thank yous. Uh, thank you yesterday. Everybody helped out with goalball, and we had a great time uh, with those visually impaired athletes who came and some of our people who played with them. Had a really good time, and appreciate your help there, and keep them in prayer as we continue our partnership with them at our church. Also, wanted to read, let's do, well, let's do a thank you for the Nicholsville people for serving uh, this week, and we are excited to hear about what God did on your trip. And then we wanted to give a thank you from Karen, Elf Karen, about the Operation Christmas Child, so I'm going to read what she wrote here. Um, Great job last week at the packing party. Almost 200 shoeboxes were packed. We didn't have quite enough stuff, so you will find some starter boxes on the chairs beside the shoebox table in the sanctuary. So right over there in those chairs, some starter boxes. And you are welcome to take one or more, pack them well, bring them back to the stack against the wall over there by next Sunday, November 18th. Extra empty shoeboxes are also by the tables in the sanctuary. Linda, you see any? I don't see them. Okay, right there. So there you go. Some empty shoe boxes right there if you need. And so next Sunday, November 18th, is the day you have to have all your shoe boxes here, filled, labeled, rubber banded. And if someone has a large vehicle, I don't know if, if in the early service she found one. Do you know? All right. So I'll announce it. Somebody, she wants a large vehicle to haul these shoe boxes to New Bethesda Baptist Church next Sunday. So please contact Karen Monger. If you can do that or let us know, we can get it to Karen. Is Karen not here right now? She's not here. Okay, good. So 396 is the goal, and she's asking, will you be a part of making sure we meet that goal? Also, announcements. I wanted to make mention next Sunday is a little bit different. We do not have an early service next Sunday. And then Sunday school will meet everybody, all adults, right here at... uh, um, Sunday school hour for one Sunday school. So everybody, Sunday school will be right here in the sanctuary, and then we'll have one service following. So next Sunday, we have one Sunday school for everybody in the sanctuary. Stay here for worship. And then afterwards, we have our covered dish luncheon. Um, They wanted me to make sure that you bring side dishes, including meat. And uh, so continue to bring side dishes, but they also need some meat dishes. They are providing chicken, but they would like some others. So there's a Meat need, and Tommy and I were like, there's always a need for bacon. Yeah, that's what that means, really. <laughs> so any other meat items you'd like to bring, please do so next Sunday. should be a wonderful week to be together in the house of the Lord. A couple other quick announcements tonight. We do have uh, lots of activities, encounter, adult choir, ensembles, youth, handbells, etc. We are starting a study for 12 weeks. It's going to be pretty interesting. If you've not come to encounter, uh, it's going to be the same 
format, but we are going to be talking about how cell phones have changed Christians for 12 weeks. So if you have a cell phone, you should come. Let's everybody. Um, and then a couple other quick announcements. Uh, Wednesday is our budget discussion, 6.30, uh, for our proposed 2019 budget. And then fellowship breakfast is at Cold Harbor Restaurant Thursday morning. Wanted to make a plug for the bulletin board people as well. Outside the media center, outside the library downstairs, there's a new bulletin board. It's an interactive experience. You go there, you take a little card, you'll write something you're thankful for, and you'll post it up onto the bulletin board. So I want to see you guys make sure to fill and be a blessing to those who do that bulletin board each month. Yes. Tuesday, 10.30, Women on Mission, right here, right here, 10.30, in the John Bright Room. Thank you very much. Women on Mission, 10.30 this week. So make sure to keep this as your opportunities for a week, a nice full week to be together. All right, I think that's all I have, no guest announcements. All right, well, let's move on. We've got Tim, are you going to lead this? or? Yeah. come this morning to honor our veterans for their service and we are grateful for their willingness to sacrifice so that we can be free even to worship today. Today commemorates the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of um, the year and uh, so we um, are indebted to those who came then. Uh, as uh, Woodrow Wilson, the president, said then they were fighting to save democracy for the world. Uh, I have this letter that I'd like to read to you. Uh, in the autumn of 1864, Massachusetts Governor John A. Andrew wrote to President Lincoln asking him to express condolences to Mrs. Lydia Bixby, a widow believed to have lost five sons during the Civil War. Lincoln's letter to her was printed in the Boston Evening Transcript. The letter is dated November the 21st, 1864, from the Executive Mansion in Washington. Dear Madam, I have been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any word of mine 
which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the republic they died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectably, A. Lincoln. We never know what we are called on to do until we're called to do it. And there are those who are willing to go and willing to sacrifice. And we are grateful for their service. Let's bow for prayer. Eternal God, into your presence we come on this day that you have given us to remember, to commemorate, and to recognize, Father, that war is a reality in this world. And yet at the same time, Father, we are thankful for those who are willing to go and defend our freedom. For these men who stand in front of us this morning, we are grateful for their service. We are grateful, Father, for their willingness to go. And we pray, Father, that as we continue to pray for our military, that you will keep those families safe, that wherever they might be, even at this hour, that they, as they defend our freedom, might find peace and might find safety in their fellow comrades. We are grateful, Father, that we have had this time to remember. You have called us to remember. And we are grateful, Father, for the power of your love to redeem us and to show us your grace. Bless these men and their families. Bless this time together. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. It is my pleasure, as he's getting himself set up this morning, it is my pleasure to introduce Paul Rizeki uh, as the candidate for the position of Minister of Music and Worship, and his wife, Lori, right here, there she is, and his son, Mason, they're with us today as well, so we welcome them. Uh, Paul is the band director at uh, Atley High School. And he is the current Minister of Music at New Highland Baptist Church, where he leads multiple choirs, as well as their contemporary and their traditional services. He's directed and produced many of their cantatas, which has those full orchestras and choirs and drama. He has a Bachelor of Music degree from James Madison University. Uh, the Music Minister Selection Team has enjoyed getting to know Paul. He is not only a gifted musician, playing multiple instruments, but also enjoys being a part of many other church ministries. So after the service today, um, Paul and some of the folks from the selection team, we will be down front and you guys can come and meet him and ask him questions or us questions. And um, he's gonna come now, he's gonna lead us in our worship time after he tells you a little bit about himself. So Paul, we welcome you. Oh, and one more thing, and then just a reminder that next Sunday we will have a call business meeting uh, to call Paul as uh, our Minister of Music and Worship. Thank you, Leslie. 
I want to thank you and Tim and the search committee for the warm hospitality they've extended to my family and I. Since the first day we have met, I felt at ease and like part of your church family. Today I was asked to share a little about myself and a testimony. Now, I really do not like talking about myself. However, telling you about my faith and walk with God is an honor. Every time we tell our story of our testimony, we give honor and glory to God. I used to be shy in sharing my story, but I have learned that each of us needs to remember our story, regardless of how spectacular or ordinary you think it is. It is your eyewitness account of how God rescued you from sin and death through Christ and changed your life as a result. Therefore, everyone's story is amazing and should be shared at any chance we can get. So, a little about myself. I grew up in Gloucester, Virginia. I did not have the easiest childhood, but for that I'm thankful because it has made me the man I am today. At the age of three, my parents divorced, leaving my mom to raise three boys, one year apart each. Needless to say, she had her hands full. While my mother loved the Lord, we did not go to church as children. My spiritual beginning was really developed with my grandmother, who I lovingly called Granny. I went on through middle and high school about the same way. Not a frequent attender. We talked about God, and I prayed, but I will admit I did not understand a lot of it. In high school, my private piano teacher started inviting me to play my saxophone in his church, where he was the music minister. I found out quickly that I could worship the Lord with the talent he had given me. That led me to attending every Sunday and really getting plugged in the church. You see, music led me to church, and Jesus opened my heart to know and love him. On April 15, 2001, I was baptized. It was a day I will never forget. As an interesting side note, about 70 miles away, on the same day here in Mechanicsville, my wife Lori was baptized at Hillcrest Baptist Church. I do not think this was a coincidence. I can honestly say in more ways than one, music saved my life. I don't even want to imagine where I'd be today if I didn't come to the Lord through music. My music minister played a huge role in my life, and for that I will be forever thankful. I love being a part of the music ministry and really began to learn about the Word and develop my walk with God. After high school graduation, I went to JMU to study music education. After graduation, I met Lori in 2005, and we became the best of friends. She began inviting me to church with her family. They were very involved. Vacation Bible School, they were on the meals team on Wednesday nights, sound team, all the music. We did everything together at the church. We began an amazing friendship and continued to attend church together. She kept inviting me, and I kept saying yes. I guess she saw something in me I did not see in myself. And in 2007, we were married. After the birth of our son, Mason, in 2010, it was a scary time for me and my family. You see, Mason was born four weeks early and spent three weeks in the NICU. Several days after he came home, Lori was rushed to the hospital, unable to breathe, and was found unconscious. She would spend the next 19 days in ICU on a ventilator and 10 more days in the hospital for a total of 29 days. These were some very scary times for me. Here I was, a new dad. I'd never held a baby, let alone feed a baby, change a diaper, or experience the all-nighters that little ones come with. 
Every day I would go sit with Lori, and I prayed for her at her bedside. Even though she could not talk, she was awake and knew I was there. My faith was for sure tested. I could not understand why this was happening to us. I could have easily given up and been angry. There were some days I thought that Lori was not going to make it. And how was I supposed to do all this alone? I did not lose hope. I poured out my heart and turned my worry over to God and trusted him. I know that only through the power of prayer from hundreds of our friends and the grace of God did Lori survive. Again, in 2012, my faith was tested when Lori's mom passed away. I loved her dearly, and she was a major part of my walk to Christ. She had a hard life and could have easily given up hope, but she put her trust in God and never lost hope, and I always admired her for that. When our son was 18 months old, we began to feel God pulling at our hearts to find a church where he could be more active. We loved our small little country church, but our son was one of two kids in the children's program, the other being our nephew. After some searching and visiting, we found our, our home at New Highland Baptist Church. We started off in the background. I played in some services. Then eventually I was asked to lead the choir and praise team when the current music minister was off, which I happily did. During this time, I also took a huge leap of faith and began to teach the high school Sunday school class. Now, I wasn't nervous about teaching high school-aged kids. I did it all the time. I was nervous that I wasn't good enough. I was nervous that I didn't know enough about the Bible. And how could I teach others? Well, the truth is, I grew in my walk with God so much during those years, and I learned a lot from them as well. After our music minister resigned, I was able to step in the role for the summer and help the church during the transition. I agreed, but I will admit I had some doubt in my head and some fear. Could I really do this? I knew I could lead teenagers, but adults were different. Did I have time to do this? Would I be good enough? Could I minister to my church family in the same way my music minister had ministered to me? Lori and I prayed about it, and like always, she supported me. And we both knew this is where God was calling our family. There was something telling me I was supposed to serve our church in this way, even though it was supposed to be temporary. I truly found a passion for serving the Lord. Something came alive inside of me. I love working with the choir and praise team. At the end of the summer, they asked me to consider taking the job permanently on a part-time basis. You see, it's funny what happens when we get out of the way and let God be in control. When we try to be in the driver's seat, it never works. God is always in control, and God calmed all my doubts and my fears. I found that music ministry is where I'm called to be. I learned to trust and let God be in control. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying that whatever you have to deal with in life, if you ask God to help you and pray for his strength, then you and he together can handle anything. I learned that I have two passions in life when it comes to music. Serving the Lord by being a music minister and teaching the youth in high school band. I also learned I can blend them together seamlessly. And for this, all the glory goes to God. Through my time as a high school band director, my ministry has opened many doors for students to come and be a part of a church. During my time in New Highland, we have started a men's choir, a yearly musical with full orchestra including choir and drama, 
grown the worship choir and praise team, and helped many people use their talent of music to worship the Lord. I love to have people use their God-given talent to serve the Lord. No matter what skill level someone possesses, we always welcome someone to worship the Lord through music. I've always heard and never understood this verse until several years ago. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Philippians 4.13 Laura and I have sought the Lord and his counsel over this decision for several months, and we truly believe this is where he has led our hearts. We have been praying for clarity, and the clarity he has now given us requires courage. So we step out in obedience, trusting that the Lord is guiding us through this next chapter in our lives. If you had asked me 10 years ago, would I be where I am today, I would have laughed. I would have never thought I could lead worship services, teach Sunday school, or deliver a sermon on a Sunday morning like I did a few weeks ago. You see, God sometimes tests us, and I know he does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. He never doubted me, even though I doubted myself. He does not promise life will be easy. He promises that he will stand beside us during the storm. One of our family's favorite verses is Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to be the light for those around me. I want to help others come to know the Lord, and the music is the way I can do that. God is awesome. And he gave me strengths I never believed I had. He developed in me such a desire to work for him and share the comfort of his love with others. He gave me a new compassion for life and music, a new compassion for others. He placed me into a ministry that humbled me more than I could have ever imagined. My list of wonderful things that God has done for me is never ending. I do not know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds my tomorrow. With that knowledge, I can face tomorrow with the truth. God is in control, and he will not give me more than I can handle. He already knows what values I will face. I praise God every day for his strength, and I am a musician after the Lord's heart. I desire more than anything else to love God and to express it, to humbly seek him and be found in his presence, loving Jesus and being touched and comforted by his presence every day.
Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you as grateful people who have been given your holy word in which to live. God, we pray that as we give you this service, that you would be glorified in everything you do. We pray that as we hear from you through our sermon, as we hear from you through the worship, God, we pray in all these things that we are thankful that you are going to be present with us. God, we pray your Holy Spirit dwell. We pray that you would be honored and that we would become grateful people, not just this season, but for uh, all of our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let us all stand and sing hymn 149, Praise Him, Praise Him.
be seated. If you would open your hymnals to page 47 for our responsive reading. Uh, I'll do the worship leader, and we'll have Tim read with the worshipers, and we have worship choir for this one. They like that. All right, page 47. Do you not know, have you not heard, Yahweh is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth? He formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. May May his glorious name be praised forever. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Let us stand and sing hymn 638, For the Beauty of the Earth.
Good morning. Join me as I pray, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful fall day. Thank you for the blessings of this week. Thank you for the blessings that you give us each and every day and those to come. As we worship you this morning, we bring to you our tithes and offerings. We ask that you bless them, bless the giver, help us to use it wisely for your work, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ to those who do not know him. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to give back to you just a small portion of what you've given to us. It is in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.
flowers in front of me this morning are given in memory of Will Long by his family. And I wanted to pass that along to you. We had Will's memorial service here on Friday. So we certainly want to remember Audrey and the rest of the family and their loss. And uh, we are grateful that these flowers are adorning our sanctuary this morning for this fall season. Let's bow for prayer. Eternal God, creator and giver of every good and every perfect gift. We are thankful, Father, for the beauty of this day. For the hope that rests in knowing you as Lord and Savior. For the power of your love to redeem us. We come this morning, Father, with expectations. Expectations of a word from you. Help us, Father, to listen. To listen that we might learn and we might grow in our relationship to you. We're thankful, Father, for each person present. We pray, Father, for those who are not with us because of illness. We pray for a speedy recovery. For those who are injured, we pray for healing. For those who are dealing with the loss of loved ones, we lift them to you and pray that you comfort. We are grateful, Father, for the power of your love to bring to us assurance in the midst of sorrow. We also pray, Father, this morning for our missionaries, for their work here and around the world. Supply their needs. Give to them what they need as they share with the world what the world needs through Jesus Christ. Bless this time together. We give thanks for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. first service he played the saxophone so when we call him in a few weeks we'll just be surprised about what else he can play but we're grateful Paul is with us today and thank you Paul for allowing your name to be 
uh, placed as a candidate for this position and for you sharing with us about your calling for this position as well. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the 24th chapter of Psalm, of this 24th Psalm, verses 1 through 5, as we are transitioning into that season of the year of stewardship and thanksgiving. We want to look at this beautiful psalm this morning. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. No one has a clear title to any portion of this world. Your deed may withstand all of the tests that a court might apply to it, but it is still not clear. No matter how far you go back, the primary problem with your deed is that it does not go back far enough. You will not find an attached release from the original owner of the property, the creator, God. God created the earth, and it belongs to him. The principal theme of this sacred song from the Davidic hymnal is God's dominion over the created order, and in particular the humans within it. The poet begins the psalm with an assertion of the dominion, moves to the requirements which issue therefrom, and concludes with a majestic and dramatic litany of the divine kingship. The setting of this psalm is apparently a call to procession. The procession is called perhaps in the forecourt of the temple, perhaps farther down the steep slope of Zion by a majestic hymn to the God, the Creator, to whom dominion belongs. The first stanza of this beautiful hymn of David states the situation clearly. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This hymn was originally written to be used in the victorious procession in which the Ark of the Covenant was brought into the newly created capital, the city of David. The king himself led the triumphant procession. The sons of Levi sang these words of praise as the Ark entered the city. The God whose presence was symbolized by the Ark is the owner of all that is. Secular man ignores the truth of this song. We foolishly act as though we had a role in rights of ownership. We treat our property and our own life as though they are ours with no ultimate accountability. We live as though we are accountable only to ourselves. The psalmist reminds us that the world and the universe is far bigger than we are. It reminds us that indeed we are owned and bought with a price. We are bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. We belong to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But let's look at this psalm just briefly, these five verses. First, the specification of the divine ownership. Just what does God own? Where would you find the property that he owns in our community? Would it be limited only to the pieces of property that have been dedicated as places of worship? I don't believe so. Even though we set this aside as a place of God. God owns the earth. 
God holds the deed to the earth. In an obvious case of Hebrew parallelism, the earth and the world are one and the same. Writing as a man standing on the earth and very much earthbound, the psalmist, to the psalmist, the earth is the whole universe. They are used in this text in the broad sense of the physical universe. However, the concern of the psalmist is not with the ownership of the planets or the sun and the moon, but with the city of Jerusalem and my city, he calls it. Who owns the farmland in my state? His emphatic statement is that God holds the title deed to every inch of it. Lord is emphatic in the Hebrew text. He is the absolute owner. The earth belongs to God because he founded and made it firm on the seas and rivers of pre-creation chaos brought under his rule by the power of his command. God owns the world. It's important for us to understand that because we never can understand what thanksgiving is. We can never understand what being a steward in this world is until we acknowledge who owns it. And God owns it. He owns the fullness. He owns the earth. This includes everything that is in the earth or on the earth. Regardless of how small or how large, it belongs to God. All of the vegetation is His, including the grains and cottons in our fields. All of the trees are His, including those used to construct the house in which you live. All the minerals are His, including the gas and oil that we are pumping out of the earth. All of the gold, silver, and precious stones are His. The oxygen that we breathe is His, as well as the sunshine and rain that we need for the sustenance of life. His ownership includes the fullness thereof. Think about it. God owns the air that you breathe. Without God, you could not survive. We take those kinds of things for granted. We assume that they belong to us, don't we? We assume that all of this sustains us and that we are in control. But needless to say, all we have to do is look at the power of nature and see how little control we really have. We are subject to the elements, aren't we? If there's not enough rain, what happens? The crops dry up. If there's too much rain, the crops are flooded. We know that God has balanced out the world in such a way as to sustain the world and so to sustain us. He owns us. The divine ownership extends to those that dwell therein. This includes every living thing that moves on the earth, including you and me. Of every cow and calf, every horse and chicken, every sheep and dog, God is the ultimate owner. Every man, woman, boy and girl, regardless of race, regardless of where they live, belong to God. God holds the title deed to the whole thing. In our day, we tend to limit His ownership to the church home and to the people who acknowledge Him as Lord and serve Him in some full-time capacity. Not so. God's ownership includes you and everything that you claim in the earth. Paul shared that with us earlier. He understood, understands that God owns His gifts. And as he uses his gifts in faithfulness to God in the same way that we all can, God can bless those gifts and people can come to the Lord. This past week, you know, we were in Nicholsville. 
and we went to the food pantry two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. In that time period, in a matter of a few hours, we served 148 families. In the last 45 minutes of the second day on Wednesday, we served 32 of those families. And on the night before we started, we had a devotion that talked about seeing things in a different light. Seeing things differently. It's easy to see what you want to see and sometimes much harder to see those things you don't want to see. And what we uh, tuned ourselves to see was the need. Not to judge them, but to look at the need. And we saw great needs. The poverty down there is real. There were people who came not only were they poverty-stricken and in need of food, but their health was so bad. They had very poor health. I believe sometimes the two go hand in hand. It was sad to see, but what I was able to see that in the midst of all that, if you offered to pray with them, they would always say, and Faye can attest to this too because she was the big prayer with them, they would always say, everybody needs prayer, don't they? I need prayer, but they would say everybody needs prayer. And they would give us specific needs. And a lot of times those were health needs with family or with themselves. But they had great needs. And the thing that I saw while I was there is these people belong to God in the same way I do. God loves them in the same way He loves me. And God used us to help them. To feed them, to pray with them, to minister to them, to do what was necessary. That's how God operates. He operates with willing hearts. He owns it all. He wants us to share in a way that it can make a difference in someone's life. And they can know that someone cares and that God loves them. It is a pitiful, pitiful sight to see people with such great needs only six hours away in our own state. But what is the basis for this divine ownership? We base our claims to ownership on the payment of a price or on an inheritance. The deeds will reflect this basis for ownership. God bases His claim on ownership on more important things, things that take precedence over a purchase price paid by me. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. This is the poetic way of setting forth a profound truth about the earth and everything that is in it. He is creator. These words refer to the creative act of the creator God, whereby the earth and all the living creatures came into existence. God wants them because he made them. David is referring to the inspired statement of this activity that opens the Bible. Genesis 1 records how God made out of nothing everything that exists. He made it as an expression of His love and creative power. And He loves us to the point that He is constantly trying to redeem His creation. The speculation by humans about the origin of the earth has created an uncertainty in our minds. We've heard just enough about a reported evolutionary process to make us wonder about the Creator. To the person who has faith, there is no question about the origin of the earth and who is responsible for it. We may not have all the answers about how it happened, but we are sure about who did it. We can look at the world about us and with wonder in our hearts exclaim, God did it. And if we look a little deeper, we know why He did it. 
He did it because he was lonely and he needed companionship. He did it because he wanted to love something. He is God of providence. These words are also referred to the divine providential care of the earth and its fullness. The verbs used by David picture the continued order that is in the earth as being the result of the divine activity. The world continues to exist in an orderly way because God's control and care is a part of it. He causes it to be held together by His power. This gives to Him a basis of ownership. If it could not exist apart from Him, surely it is folly to attribute the ownership of it to anyone else. If we stop and think about how perfect the world is for us to survive as human beings. I'm talking about nature perfect. I'm talking about the fact that we stand here because of gra- I stand here because of gravity. You sit there because of gravity. And if the bench collapses on you, gravity's going to take you a little further down, isn't it? Now, sit a little lighter. We know the principle of gravity, don't we? We know what it means. We know why we have it. God ordered all of that. He is God of providence. This psalm begins with the assertion of God's dominion over a world and its inhabitants created by Him and ends in a vibrant declaration of His glorious kingship and His might in war on behalf of those who are His charges. In such a moment... There can have been no doubt in the minds of those present of either the reality of his presence or the authority of his dominion. The Ark of the Covenant represented God and they were bringing it to the holy city. But we must acknowledge the divine ownership if we are to give thanks for it. Christ is the King of glory. He is the one who ascends into the presence of the Lord to whom God the Father has given the nations as His inheritance. This psalm can be considered a messianic psalm because it shows us the way and who is the way. Christ alone meets all the qualifications. Only He has perfectly fulfilled the law in perfect righteousness and can ascend the holy hill. Jesus Himself said to Nicodemus, No one has ascended into heaven except He who descended from heaven the Son of Man. He alone has clean hands and a pure heart from free from idolatry. He alone speaks only the truth. Jesus is the blessed one of God to whom the multitudes were sing as He entered the gates of Jerusalem in Matthew 21.9. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. It is Christ who went to the cross and became our salvation and our righteousness. It is Christ who entered the true temple not made with hands, the heavenly temple to make lasting atonement for our sins. It is His cross that has removed our guilt and shame. Paul tells us that God has forgiven us in Christ. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus is our salvation, our mediator. His righteousness alone is our provision. If we accept the truth of this inspired statement, then surely there must be some way for us to acknowledge the divine ownership. We belong to God because He has bought us with the price of His own Son. Before we can give thanks, we must set in motion our understanding of the power of God to create and to redeem. 
We acknowledge this through worship. We acknowledge His ownership of our lives as we worship together. This hymn is an expression of this. From the very beginning, man was instructed to set apart one day out of a week of seven to worship God. The consecration of this day for worship was based on God being the Creator. Though in the Christian era we have set aside the first day of the week for worship because it is the day Christ was raised from the dead, but we are also acknowledging His claim on our lives. We acknowledge this through tithes and offerings. We go a step further through our tithes and offerings. We acknowledge that God owns everything material around us. This is the basic context in which the Bible places tithing. Tithing is not so much a law as it is a way of acknowledging to God His ownership of everything. What you have, you have because of God. Your offering above your tithe acknowledges your gratitude for the faithful manner in which God has provided for all your needs. The person who does not bring to God a tithe or offering is living as though he were the sole owner. Do you not see the folly of this? You and I are stewards, not owners. But it is a wonderful privilege to share with God in His creation in this way. We are stewards. Not owners. We never will be because what does the Bible say about us? We are but a dust that appears, a flower that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. We're like grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. But the eternal God reigns forever. There was a knock on the door of the hut occupied by a missionary in Africa. Answering, the missionary found one of the native boys holding a large fish in his hand. The boy said, Reverend, you taught us what tithing is, so here, I brought you my tithe. As the missionary gratefully took the fish, he questioned the young lad. If this is your tithe, where are the other nine fish? At this, the boy beamed and said, oh, they're still back in the river. I'm going back to catch them now. He understood, didn't he? We give God what's first. We give God what belongs to Him because we acknowledge Him as owner. Every Lord's Day is a special acknowledgement day. But then we move from the Lord's Day with a renewed awareness that God owns everything. Are we living in the light of this truth in a fresh way? Do we recognize that God owns everything and that it is our responsibility to be good stewards of what God owns and to give thanksgiving on a daily basis for what He does? The scripture is very clear. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those that dwell therein. Shall we pray? Gracious Lord, as we come before you again, we acknowledge your ownership over us and over the earth. We give thanks for the power to redeem us through Jesus Christ. We find hope and meaning as we look around and see the beauty of your work. Help us, Father, to always have thankful hearts. For we recognize, Father, that we have more than we need. And out of that abundance, we should give. Give to you 
because you can give to others. Bless us in this time of invitation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our invitation hymn is number 504, Be Strong in the Lord. We can never be strong in the Lord until we acknowledge His ownership, until we recognize that it's only in Him that we're able to accomplish what He calls us to do. The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ as Savior, whatever your desire, as we stand and sing hymn number 504. This morning, Pam Barber comes on her statement of faith, wishing to unite with this fellowship of believers. Uh, and uh, I would highly recommend her to you. So what is the pleasure of the congregation? Can you say amen as we welcome her? We are grateful that she's come. Pam went through a uh, terrible time a month or so ago when she lost her husband. Um, 
suddenly, and uh, we knew he was ill, but uh, I didn't know it was going to be that way, uh, that quickly. And so uh, she has uh, been touched by our congregation and uh, wants to be a part of our congregation. So we welcome her. Um, Paul and Lori will come and stand here. Pam, you stand here. I like for the people to greet you, okay? I always warn them that you want to greet them. And they'll tell you their names, and they'll do the same thing for you, Paul, but you won't remember them. Um, I've been here 10 years. I know most of their names now, but almost 10 years. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, if you would like to greet Paul, he certainly, he and Lori and Mason, their son is here too, would be glad to. uh, He's a little shy there, but uh, you can pat him on the head like I did earlier. But we're glad that they're here. And remember, next week we will have a called business meeting at the conclusion of the morning service. We only have one service to vote on calling uh, Paul Rosecki as our minister of music. So I know that you will prayerfully consider that. We're grateful that he's come to be a part of this service today. And we look forward to the time that he will spend with us in the future. Have I covered everything? Got it all. Okay. All right. Don't forget tonight. Dwight says if you have a cell phone, you should be here. Uh, that takes in almost everybody. You really set that one up good, didn't you? Um, let's stop bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we leave today, help us to always acknowledge your ownership, not only of this world, but over us, because indeed we have been bought with a price, the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. May we, Father, as we leave today, recognize that we have a responsibility to share that message with others as we seek to show them that you are a God of love who seeks to redeem. Bless us as we depart, ever mindful of your grace. In the name of Jesus, amen.